This week we are in Acts chapter 23. We're going to tackle another big chunk of scripture in Acts. Um, we're actually going to go all the way through from 2311 uh, all the way through chapter 26. Um, we left off last week with Paul's arrest in Jerusalem. And we're going to pick up there this week, and we're going to see some of the trials and events going on in Paul's life uh, before he travels um, to Rome. Next week, we will look at that, uh, and next week, we should be closing out the book of Acts with Paul's travels to Rome uh, and really the end of Paul's life, the end of the book of Acts, the end of Paul's life, but definitely not the end of this incredible story that God is telling um, as I was reading and studying this week, there was an encouraging pattern that, that I saw, and it's not really just in this passage, but we've seen it again and again in the entire book of Acts, um, and just I hope that it is an encouragement uh, to us. What I saw was that God had a plan, um, and, and Paul's life and these events in Paul's life um, they were a particular part of God's great plan. Uh, it's obvious in these verses, and we'll talk about this as well, that uh, the plans of man um, not only stand against but rage against the plans of God. And then uh, finally, I think that we will see both in God and because Paul saw it in God, we see it in Paul, something that we should strive for, and that is faithfulness. Uh, faith, faithfulness. And um, faithful, that's what the message is entitled this morning. Let's pray together, and um, I always ask if you guys would pray with me, and so I'm asking again. Uh, the Lord hears us as we pray, um, all of us, and so don't just listen, pray. Uh, pray with me. Pray as I pray that God would be especially good to us this morning, that the Holy Spirit would be mighty in our midst, and um, that, that the Holy Spirit would teach us uh, would encourage us, would equip us, and um, here's what I've been praying all morning. Like, I feel really scattered, so just know that now, <laughs> um, but I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would help us to see how incredibly faithful that God is, um, and, and, and so that's my prayer. Um, Holy Spirit, help us see the faithfulness of God, and, and the second part is that as we see the faithfulness of God, that the Holy Spirit would help us to be faithful as well. So that's where we're going this morning. Um, will you pray with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, you are, you are a good and gracious Father, and we see that here um, in, in our text, but we see it throughout the Bible. And if we ever slow down and, and, and look at our own lives, we see in our own lives that you are a good Father. And that even, even when we don't understand the things going on in our, in our world, and our lives, you prove again and again and again that you are faithful. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be good today to open our eyes and our hearts, open our ears, that we would, we would see the, the faithfulness of our Father. We would see the faithfulness of our Father in, in Paul's life, in the book of Acts, in the story of the Bible, and and even more, that we would see the Father's faithfulness in our own lives. And Holy Spirit, as we, as we see that faithfulness and we know that we can count on every promise of God, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, would help us then to be faithful, faithful in our own lives. And my prayer is that you would do something 
far greater than we could ever do, Holy Spirit, for the good of your people, um, for the glory of our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Thank you all for those of you who pray with me. Thank you for praying with me. Um, I really do appreciate that. So let's start this morning with just a reminder as we're talking about God's faithfulness. Um, let's start with a reminder of God's plan. So we left off last week in chapter 23, verse 11, and I want to pick up in 23:11 again. Paul has been arrested. Uh, he has stood before the Jewish tribune uh, and the people, and they are all angry with Paul. He shared his story. The people raged against Paul, and it became a riot. They wanted to kill Paul immediately right then and there. Roman soldiers had to come uh, and really rescue Paul and keep him from dying there. They do that. They, they get him away to the barracks where they can uh, keep an eye on him. So Paul uh, is sleeping there under the watch of the Roman soldiers. And in 2311, we read this. The following night, the Lord stood by him, stood by Paul and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. This was God's plan for Paul's life. Um, you will testify of me in Rome. Right? That, that's what God is saying. You are going to Rome. As you've done here in Jerusalem, you have to do in Rome as well. Th this is not a new plan for Paul's life. Um, we saw last week that God had called Paul to be um, a, a witness to the Gentiles of who Jesus was and all that Jesus had done. We saw as well last week that the Lord not only told Paul that, but he told Ananias. Ananias was one of the disciples, a follower of Christ, who in Acts chapter 9, after Paul saw Jesus and was blinded, um, the Lord sent Ananias to Paul to help him. And here's what um, the Lord said to Ananias. Ananias was like, are you sure you want me to go? This guy has been killing believers. Um, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Paul was a chosen instrument. I have chosen him, the Lord says, to carry the gospel to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the children of Israel. And that's what's happening, right? Like in, in chapter 9, years and years and years and years before what, what we are reading about today, God said this is what is going to happen. He is, Paul, I, I am setting aside, I have chosen him to take my name, to bear witness of me, to bear witness of what I am doing, to, to bear witness of Jesus before, before Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. And that is unfolding. He is bringing about his purposes even through the arrest of Paul and the anger of the Jews. But this wasn't, as we talk about God's plan, just God's plan for Paul. This is a part of a bigger plan. We could go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Acts where we started and there we saw Jesus talking to his disciples in uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 before he ascended to heaven in the right hand of the Father. Uh, Jesus said, listen, the Holy Spirit is coming. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and where? 
to the ends of the earth. Right? Disciples, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Paul is a part of that. Like Paul wasn't even saved yet. Paul, Paul had not met Jesus yet. Paul would be a persecutor of the church, and yet here, God already had a plan for Paul. Now, as cool to me as that is, just seeing how God works in all of those things, the truth is that, that this is bigger than just the story of Acts as well. This is all a part of God's big story, and we talk about the big story a lot at New City, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so what we see of Paul's life is just a part of this story that we see in the book of Acts, but the book of Acts isn't just the book of Acts. It, it is a part of God's big story and, and the big story that we read about in all of Scripture. God was seeking to reconcile to himself a people from all the peoples of the earth. This was God's plan from the, the very beginning. God would not be, be satisfied for sin to separate him from humanity. That's what happened when Adam sinned. Sin separated Adam and Eve and every generation after them from God, but God was not satisfied with that. And as early as Genesis 3.15, we see that God had a plan to redeem humanity from their sin and to reconcile them to himself. He, he would redeem for himself a people from all the peoples of the earth through Jesus who would be our Savior. One day, all of creation through Jesus would, would be redeemed and restored to what God intended in the beginning, right? These are the themes, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration that we see throughout history. God working in and through all of history for this purpose. Paul is a part of that story. Like, like, that just blows my mind. The, the, the verses that we read today are a part of this huge story of God where, where God would reach the nations through his people. Now, don't miss this part as well. God was and is intimately involved in bringing about this plan. God is in, involved, and it's not just that he is involved as some distant God who every now and then moves the pieces in his favor. God is intimately involved in this plan, this plan to make for himself a people. He was and is sovereignly and graciously involved in, in all of the details, the, the smallest, most minute details. God's hand is there. Take courage, he says. Right? He's coming to visit. This is, this is a part, and we'll see more, of his intimate involvement. Like Paul going, uh, or, or God going and visiting Paul in, in his sadness, in his fear. Take courage. Whereas you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. Paul, I am with you. So God has a plan, and, and, and this that we're reading about of Paul is a part of that greater plan, God's plan in history. What we see in most of this chapter is, is certainly not God explicitly working this plan together. Um, what we see primarily is humanity raging against God's plan. Humanity rages against God. Um, I, I want to talk about this. I feel like I, I, I need to, 
to, to give a little bit of information, and, and I hope that you see it as we go through um, this passage. So throughout the Bible, we see that there are, there are three powers, um, for lack of a better word, um, that, that rage against God, that stand against God's plans. We see it over and over in the Bible. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil show up time and time again as standing against God. And we see those things at work against Paul. But they weren't really uh, against Paul as much as they were against God himself and against the gospel, right? So, so the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Satan is real. Now, I'm not one of those people who believe that Satan is behind everything that happens in, in the world and in our lives, but Satan is real. Um, the Bible makes that clear. The, the Bible describes him as evil, as deceptive, as a great liar. It was Satan who tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan desires to establish his own kingdom, a kingdom that is counter to the kingdom of God. Um, Satan desires to dethrone God and to be king. Satan desires to be God. It was Satan who uh, tempted Jesus in the start of his ministry, and that was an attempt uh, not just to get Jesus. It was an attempt to dethrone God. It was, a, it was an attempt to, to wreck the plans of God to redeem and restore humanity to himself. Uh, in these verses, the devil isn't mentioned, but, but I, I, I think it would be safe to say there's a very good possibility that it was, it was Satan who was at work behind the scenes to stop God's plan. Um, so, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The flesh wages war against God. And what I mean when I say flesh, I just mean... Each one of us, humanly speaking, I'm talking primarily about our desires, our fleshly desires, um, our cravings, our our lusts. Maybe these are our cravings and lusts for power, for place, for position, for control, for authority, for comfort. All of those things in us often rise up against God. And we see them rising up against God and the plans of God in, in this passage. We see it rising up in the men who would, who would lie about Paul, who, who would ultimately seek to, to murder him. So the world, the flesh, and the devil, the world, the last one. When the Bible talks about the world standing against God, it is primarily talking about the systems and structures of our world, our government um, is, is, is not godly. All right? I, 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 just, I want you to know the entire history of humanity, there has not been a godly government. Not one. Right? We, we can't go back to the founding of the United States and say, well, there was a godly go-. It wasn't. It, it was a broken government run by broken humanity. Okay? I love our country, but this is the truth. Our world systems and structures are broken, and they ultimately will not walk with God and work with God. Ultimately, they will stand against God. Our cultures, our cultures are, are the same. Ultimately, our cultures and our cultures within a culture, they ultimately will stand against God. 
in this case, we, we will easily see that the Jewish system, their religious system, their government system, was a system that was opposed to Paul. It was opposed to the gospel, even though they had the law and the prophets, and they had all of the prophecies pointing to Jesus, and they had the apostles who were saying, see how Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies? And they shook their fist at, at Paul, and they shook their fist at the disciples, and ultimately they were shaking their fist at God. And, and, and they were more concerned for their systems and structures than they were whether Jesus was really the promised one. All of these stand against God. We see it again and again in the Bible, the world, the flesh, and the devil. It was true then, it is true today, and we will see it throughout this passage. Ultimately, they are standing against God's plan for the gospel going to the ends of the earth. God redeeming for himself a people from the nations, Jew and Gentile alike. So, Paul has been arrested. He's been arrested by the Jews. The crowd wants to kill him. The tribune, uh, Roman guards, they have to intervene to save Paul. Now, chapter 23, verse 12. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food until we have killed Paul. Now therefore, you along with the council give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. An ambush was planned um, by, by those Jewish people. They were plotting to kill Paul. So they said, hey, um, to the chief priest and the elders, you guys let the tribune call Paul down, tell them you want to investigate and question him more thoroughly, and when he comes, when they bring him, we will ambush them and kill Paul. So I want to say this again. This was not just a hatred of Paul. This was more than just people who didn't like Paul. This was a people whose systems and structures and religious beliefs had been challenged. And listen to me, they were ready to disregard God's commands to not kill. They were ready in the name of defending God to disregard the holiness of God and the, the, the clear commands of God. They were willing to disregard all of those and go against God so that they could protect God. Listen to me, they weren't protecting God. They were protecting their own systems and structures and their way of life. They were willing to plot, even to go against the Roman soldiers, to stop the spread of the gospel. This was ultimately a plot against the gospel, ultimately a plot against God. Look at verse 16. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul, one of the uh, centurions, Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. Now, I want you to hear this this morning. Uh, there is no coincidence when it comes to God. This was not coincidence that the son of Paul's sister was there to hear what was happening. It wasn't Paul's lucky day. Amen? 
we are talking about the hand of a sovereign God, the hand of a sovereign God who is intimately involved in his people and in his plans. And that's what we see. This, this was God working, working in those minute details to bring about his plan. God orchestrating all things for good. God, God moving the pieces around as they needed to be in order to accomplish his will, his purposes, fulfilling his promises. And that should be encouraging to us. Paul, you have to go to Rome. Humanity rages against God and the ways of God, and so they come up with a plan. Humanity, we come up with a plan. Here's what we'll do to stop this. It's easy. You guys call Paul and we'll ambush him. No, but God. Right? God sovereignly placing the, the, the son of his wife's sister in a place to hear what, what, what the conspiracy was. And to be able to go to the tribune then and tell them. The plot is uncovered. Uh, the tribune and the Roman guard send for more soldiers. Verse 23 says they send for 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. I mean, they were serious about taking care of Paul. Get ready, they say, and we will go as far as Caesarea. We'll leave in the middle of the night. So with that, right, God intervenes, the, the plans of man are overthrown, God is faithful, and our story continues. Paul is delivered to Caesarea, and he stands before the Roman governor there, and the governor's name is Felix. Felix, uh, when Paul gets there, will send back to his accusers, Paul's accusers, and tell them to come and make their case. In, in chapter 24, their spokesman makes his accusations. Um, in verses 2 through 4, he, he, he flatters Felix, the governor. Um, in 5 through 8, he brings his accusations against Paul. He accuses him of stirring the people up to a riot, of being the ringleader of a dangerous sect, and of profaning the temple of God. Now, the biggest charge for the Romans would have been um, that, that, that he was um, causing a riot. They, they, the idea of peace to them was very important. This is how they kept order in, in the empire. And so if there was the slightest threat of peace, they dealt with it quickly and they dealt with it harshly. So, so Paul is given a chance to defend himself, and he defends himself, and he points out to them that there is not one witness who came with those men who, who could say that Paul stirred the people to a riot. Not one witness could even say that Paul disputed with anyone in the temple. Paul denied that he profaned the temple, sharing with Felix that he was a devout follower of the law and a devout follower of, of the God of the Jews. He even points out, where are the Asian, the men who came from Asia who, who would say that they saw me with a Gentile in the temple? Where are the witnesses? No witnesses came. No witnesses would give testimony. Paul did admit to being a part of the way um, that is Christianity, telling Felix that, that he did indeed believe in the resurrection. So Felix can't find that he's done anything against Rome, and, and he sends away the Jewish leaders and tells them that he's going to question Paul some more, and he does. And every time that Felix questions him, Paul points Felix to the gospel. Again and again and again, he shares the gospel with Felix. 
Verse 25 says that Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness and the coming judgment in light of Jesus. Right? He's telling Felix, believe and, and, and be redeemed. Have your sins forgiven. Jesus is coming back and he will judge. Paul remained faithful to the gospel. Right? Paul remained faithful to the gospel. And I, I, I want to point this out again. The, those men who lied, the accusations that were made uh, against Paul, they weren't just fighting against Paul. They fought against God. Their aim was to stop the message of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. So as we read on, um, Felix, the governor, would be replaced by Festus. Um, Festus became the new Roman governor, and when Festus took over, verse 27 says that for two years Paul had remained in prison. For two years Paul remained in prison. Could not find any accusation that would stand against him, but for two years, Paul stood in prison. Why? Because Felix desired to do the Jews a favor. Talk about a corrupt system. Verse 26, maybe even worse, says that Felix hoped that Paul would raise money to pay him off and buy his way out of prison, even though Paul had done nothing wrong. Even though there was no charge that could be made, an innocent man was in prison for for two years in order to appease the Jews. Now, a minute ago, I was talking about our broken world and the systems of our world. This is it, the world against the gospel. Paul being kept in prison to do a favor to the Jews, the Jews who lied about Paul, who had no case against him. All of that is a means to, to stop the gospel. Festus then goes to Jerusalem. Uh, he's the new governor, so he's making his rounds. He makes his rounds. He goes to Jerusalem. He meets the Jewish leaders, the tribunal there. Uh, they, tell, they talk to Paul or, or talk to Festus, tell him all about Paul, and they ask if Festus will have Paul come down so that he can stand trial. Verse 3 tells us that they were doing this because they were planning another ambush of Paul in order to kill him, right? For two years, they've been waiting on Paul to come back so that they could kill him. Festus um, invited the Jews to Caesarea where Paul was in order to bring their charges. They came, they laid out their charges. Paul defended himself. Chapter 25 verse 9 says, um, Festus wishing to do the Jews a favor suggested that, that Paul go with them back to Jerusalem. At this point, Paul denies his request. He again appeals to Caesar. Uh, and in, in, in that case, a Roman citizen could not be forced to go back. He had to have his day in a Roman court. So, um, so this is the way that Paul would go to Rome. Remember the promise um, and, and the word of the Lord, uh, you must be a witness in Rome. Right? And so this, again, is God working. All of these people are against Paul. All of these people are against the spread uh, of the gospel. A government is against it. A, 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 a culture is against it. A people is against it. But God is for it. God is for it. And so this, this will take Paul to Rome. Um, some days later, King Agrippa 
comes. And King Agrippa, he's, he's a, a, a Jewish appointed king, but he's not really a king. It's more of a title. And he doesn't have any authority over Festus. He's just there to pay his respects to the new governor. Um, while, while he's there, um, Festus talks to Agrippa about Paul, and he knows that you know, he's connected to Judaism and knows all about it. And so he, he wants him to hear what is going on with Paul and get some advice from him. Chapter 26 then is mostly about, about that, about them calling Paul between uh, Festus and Agrippa and Paul sharing his story and mostly, mostly pointing Agrippa to who Jesus is and what he has done. This is the most detailed um, account of Paul's story, his encounter with God, um, with Jesus, his faith in the gospel. So let's read part of this, chapter 26, verse 24. Paul has been sharing his story, verse 24. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God. I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. I love this so much. Paul boldly speaking the gospel. Primarily, he is aiming this at Agrippa because Agrippa had, had Jewish connection. He knew the scriptures. He knew the law. He knew the prophets. He knew. In somewhat jest, Agrippa says to Paul, Paul, in short time, man, would you make me a believer? I love Paul's response. Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, a believer. I would to God, I would to God, Agrippa, that you would become a believer. Verse 30, then the king rose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Humanity rages against the plans of God. We see it here. Again, an attempt not just to stop Paul, but to stop the gospel, to stop God's unfolding plan of redemption and restoration. The, 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 the arrest, the false witnesses, the outright lies, the illegal hearings, the trials, the plots to ambush and murder, favors to the Jews, keeping Paul in prison for, for absolutely nothing for two years, uh, other than wishing to do the Jews a favor. And with all of it, chapter 27 will begin with Paul loading a ship and heading to Rome. Again, all of this humanity raging against God, and we go back to chapter 23, 11. Take courage, Paul. As you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also in Rome. 
this was God's plan. So what do we see in this part of the story? What, what maybe should we take away um, from this part? One word that came back to me over and over through these verses, really all of the book of Acts, but especially these verses today, is faithful. Faithful. We see clearly the faithfulness of God. And we see as well the faithfulness of Paul. I think God is calling us to the same faithfulness. Let's, let's start with God being faithful. God is faithful. I don't know how we read the book of Acts and not see the faithfulness of God. I don't know how we read even this story, 2311 through all of 26, and not see that God is faithful. God is faithful to his mission. God was, was faithful in sending the promised Redeemer. R- remember the, the, the promise in Genesis 3.15 that a serpent crusher was coming, one who would crush the head of the serpent, one who would rescue God's people? Th- this that we see in the book of Acts, this that we see in Paul's life is a part of, of that story and God being faithful. Faithful to send the promised redeemer. Faithful to send the serpent crusher. God was was faithful to his disciples. In the beginning of Acts, when when Jesus said, and at the end of the Gospels, Jesus telling his disciples, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? Well, he's faithful. He sent the Holy Spirit. We see it in Acts chapter 2. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's coming with power. That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came with power. Jesus had said, when he comes, you will be my witnesses. We read it a minute ago in in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit came and, and, and filled those disciples, empowering them to do the very thing that God had called them to do, that Jesus commissioned them to do, and that is to take the gospel through Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and it continues to push forward to the ends of the earth. God is faithful, faithful to his promises. God, God was faithful to, to, to carry Paul as his missionary. Uh, 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 this man who, who Jesus said, you will, you, you will take the gospel to, to, to the children of Israel, to the Jews, but you will also be my witness to the Gentiles, and you, Paul, will stand before kings. I don't, I don't know if you picked up on it, but he just stood before a king. King Agrippa, and what did he do but tell him the gospel and plead with him to believe? God is faithful. With boldness, Paul proclaimed Jesus. God is is faithful to his mission. The the whole book of Acts is is leading to Rome. It's all leading to Rome. Rome was the seat of the empire. This is the Roman Empire. Rome was the headquarters of, of one of the greatest and most influential empires in all of time. And God said, Paul, take courage. As you've spoken of me in Jerusalem, you're going to have to do in Rome as well. I am with you. And God was faithful. Faithful just as he said that he would be. Faithful to his mission. Faithful then. Faithful in every generation since then. And listen to me, New City. God has called you to this same mission. And I am telling you this morning that he is faithful. 
We see it time and time again. He is faithful. He's faithful to this mission today, and he will be faithful to this mission until Jesus returns. God is faithful. God is faithful to his people. When we see God involved in the intimate details of things, again, this, this speaks to the faithfulness of God on a personal level to us. God, God is faithful to us, His people, to us individually. I can't get over chapter 23, verse 11. That, that's why I keep going back to it again and again. Paul was, was, was hurt. He had to be afraid, like he had to be rescued by the Roman guard from the angry Jewish people who were ready to tear him limb from limb. He had to be frightened. He, he, he had to be. He's human. Who wouldn't be? Even though he had been warned, when you go, Paul, you might die. Still, in the face of death, he, he, he had to be afraid. He had to be full of doubts. He had to be dreading what was, what was about to take place. And it was, it was in the midst of all of that. The following night, the Lord stood by him. How beautiful is that? The Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. How kind, how kind is our Father? I mean, what a good Father who, who knows His Son is struggling to stand with His Son and encourage Him. Take courage. I have not left you. I am here with you, Paul. You have done well in Jerusalem. That's what I hear. I know that's not what the words are. That's what I hear the Father saying. You have done well in Jerusalem. Take courage, my son, and know, know that as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you're going to do the same in Rome. Take courage. I am with you, and we are not finished, my son. We are not finished. Faithful to his people. Faithful to visit Paul, faithful to fulfill his promises to Paul, faithful to protect Paul, faithful to keep him from an ambush that day, faithful to provide for all of Paul's needs, faithful to go with Paul as we will see all the way to Rome. New City, he is faithful and he is true. And just as Paul trusted in his faithfulness, so should we. And I know that Paul trusted in the faithfulness of God because Paul was faithful as well. Quickly, the faithfulness of Paul. Paul was convinced, we said a couple of weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit had spoken to him and, and, and he was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Two of the churches, two of the last churches that he stopped in on the way to Jerusalem warned him, Paul, don't go. If you go, you're going to be bound in chains and turned over to the Gentiles. Paul, don't go. But Paul believed that God was leading him there. Paul heard the Holy Spirit speaking to him and saying, Paul, you have to go to Jerusalem. Paul trusted in the promises of God, and so he went. Paul was faithful to the command of God, to the call of God, because he had seen the faithfulness of God in his own life. And so he went. He went as an ambassador. 
for Christ. He went as one sent by the Father to see others reconciled in Christ. He went as one faithfully sent, even knowing the danger. We see as well the faithfulness of Paul in each of his trials and questionings. Paul pointed the people again and again and again, uh, his accusers. He pointed them to, to the gospel. He pointed them to Jesus, even when it would be costly for him, even when he knew what the penalty would be. He was faithful, faithful to the Father, faithful to the gospel. And Paul was faithful to the lost. You know, like, don't, don't lose that either. He, he was faithful even to those that we would say were his enemies. He was faithful to the lost. 26, 29, again, I read it. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, a believer. I think this morning... That is God's call to us. To see the faithfulness of God and believe, right? To trust because God is faithful, to trust Him, knowing that He is faithful. Listen to me, the gospel is evidence for every one of us that He is faithful. The gospel is evidence that He loves us like He says that He loves us. The gospel is evidence that, that, that He would go to great lengths for us, just as he promised, to reconcile us, to redeem us from sin, to make us his own. God is calling us to see his faithfulness and, and to believe that he is faithful. Faithful to his mission, faithful to us, faithful to Paul, faithful to, to every promise that he makes. And, 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 and seeing that faithfulness for us also to be faithful. And so if you're here this morning as an unbeliever, maybe you came as an unbeliever, man, I, I, I pray, I prayed this morning, I, I pray now that you would see the faithfulness and the love and the kindness and the goodness of our Father. I, I pray that you would, would see His faithfulness and that today would be the day that you believe the gospel. That, that you would believe that He has done for you everything that He promised. That He has done for you what you cannot do yourself. That He has provided a way for you, a way of forgiveness, a way of, of righteousness and, and holiness and good standing before Him. He, he has provided for you all of that in Jesus. Jesus who lived the life that you can't live. Perfect and holy and righteous and pure. Jesus who died the death that we all deserve died in our place, our substitution. Jesus, who was raised from the dead on the third day, defeating death and sin and Satan to give us life, to bring us to the Father. Right. So if you are, if you are here as an unbeliever today, believe. See the faithfulness of our God. See the faithfulness of our God, especially in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and believe. The, the same call is for you, believer. Believe the faithfulness of God. <laughs> See it in the gospel and, 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 and believe. See His, his faithfulness and, and by His grace, you be faithful like Paul was faithful. 
faithful to him, our Father, faithful to his people, faithful to, to his not yet people, those, those who will believe, his, his mission of redemption and reconciliation. Faithful. Faithful when your message is well received, faithful when it is not, faithful in, 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 in times of goodness and faithful in times without. Faithful because you believe the promises of God. Faithful because He is faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. Thank You for being a faithful Father. Thank You for Your grace, continued grace. Thank You for the mercy that is ours because of Jesus. Even when we are unfaithful, even when we are faithless, you are faithful. Holy Spirit, I, I, I pray again this morning that, that as we leave today, what we would see is how, how beautiful our Father is, how faithful He is to to provide everything that we need, how faithful He is to every promise. God, how faithful You are. Help us to see it. Help us to believe it. When we doubt, help us to see the, the beauty of Your faithfulness to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Holy Spirit, as we, as we see the evidence of that faithfulness, I pray that You would move to make us faithful faithful by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.